Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. It's the California Report magazine. Well, we made it through Valentine's Day. And for those of you who hate February 14th, we've got your antidote, a show all about breakups and how relationships end. From the last kiss. He was a kind of kisser. It looked like it took effort to pucker her lips. To the science of why some people may feel more sensitive to rejection. Plus, sharing a home with your ex. When he brought his new girlfriend over, (laughs) it was a tiny bit awkward for me. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Sometimes music can help mend a broken heart. Over the last few weeks, we've been asking you to leave us a voicemail with your favorite breakup song and tell us how it got you through a split. People have responded with so many touching stories and wildly different songs. We're going to play some of them throughout today's show. And this is really cool. We've made a California breakup playlist with all the songs that you can find on Spotify. You told me once that you were mine along forever. Hi, this is Mike Turek and Eureka. And uh, the song that got me through my first major breakup was Remember Me by Willie Nelson. But all those vows are broken now, and I will never be the same except in memory. Remember me. My girlfriend at the time and I were both big Willie Nelson fans, and we'd actually just seen him live at Red Rocks in Colorado, uh, and then we broke up. Just before our love got lost, you said. I am as constant as a northern star in a suit Constantly in the darkness Where's that hat? If you want me, I'll be in the bar Hi, this is Alice, and I'm calling from Mendocino County. Uh, When I was in my early 20s, I had a brief and passionate relationship while I was studying in Gambia in West Africa. And uh, it wasn't like the worst breakup in the world, but, 
you know, I was sad when it ended, and um, I got really hooked on this Joni Mitchell song, A Case of You. I could drink a case of you. I could drink a case of you, darling. Still I'd be on my feet. I'd still be on my feet. I actually can't stand Joni Mitchell. Like, I respect her as a songwriter and whatever, but I kind of really don't like her music. Um, it's a beautiful song that really sums it all up. And uh, I went back and listened to the song before I left this message, and it still gives me chills. So maybe I should reconsider the whole hating Joni thing. Ojalá que las hojas no te toquen el cuerpo cuando caigan Para que no las puedas convertir en cristal Ojalá que la lluvia deje de ser milagro que baja por tu cuerpo Hi, my name is Diego Fernandez Pages and I moved to Sonoma County after a bad breakup out east uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. My breakup song is Ojalá by Silvio Rodriguez. Ojalá se te acabe la mirada constante La palabra precisa, la sonrisa perfecta Ojalá pase algo progressions and impassioned lyrics don't just remind me of where I came from and all that I left behind, but also where I have yet to go. Splitting up is never easy. But what if you still have to live with your ex even after calling it quits? That's something a lot of people in the most expensive cities here in California may actually have to face, thanks to high housing costs. Bianca Taylor brings us one woman's story. Michelle didn't want me using her last name because she really cares about her ex and she doesn't want to hurt his feelings, which helps explain what happened when they broke up a couple years ago. Michelle and her ex-boyfriend were together for 12 years. I mean, it definitely felt like, to be honest with you, like a marriage. (laughs) You know, I mean, it really was. At one point, they moved into this beautiful one-bedroom apartment in Oakland. It was big enough for both of them, plus their dog and cat. It had an actual bedroom (laughs) and an actual living room, hardwood floors. And they got a great deal on the rent, which they split. But eventually, things started to go south. Michelle says after all this time, they realized they didn't actually have a lot in common. The things that were exciting and different at first eventually lost their shine. So it wasn't some big, massive, like, you know, horrible, knock-down, drag-out breakup. It was just this gradual waning of, you know, feelings for each other, to be honest. When they officially called it quits, her ex offered to move out. But when he looked for places to move into, he couldn't afford anything he saw. And she had always made more money than he did. So in the meantime, they decided to go from boyfriend and girlfriend to housemates in their one-bedroom apartment. They converted the living room into his bedroom and hung up a curtain for privacy. But, you know, it's a, it's a little... Got a little loud, of course. So plan B was to put a twin bed in the big walk-in closet. 
They lived this way, Michelle sleeping in the real bedroom, her ex in the converted closet bedroom, for a year. People thought it was weird, for sure. (laughs) It's definitely not, um, I guess, what people think of as normal. But it's actually more common than you might think. I talked with a family law attorney based in San Jose, and he told me in the last 15 years, he's seen nearly a 20% increase in separated and divorced couples deciding to stay living together. And the most common reason is cost of living. It's just too expensive not to split rent. Of course, there were awkward times, like... When he brought his new girlfriend over, (laughs) it was a tiny bit awkward for me, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It was extremely awkward for him. I know he didn't want to do it, um, but she was insistent and, you know, I said, ah, bring her up. But there were, oddly enough, some perks. I can't cook to save my life. Like, I can barely make rice, but he's a great cook. So, you know, I've shared the benefits of, you know, his food. (laughs) Her ex did eventually move out and was able to stay in the Bay Area. He and that new girlfriend are now sharing an apartment in San Francisco. It's been two years since Michelle and her ex were housemates, and she says she doesn't regret it. Even though, um, you know, the romance sort of fell apart and that aspect of a relationship, you know, disintegrated, I'm grateful that somehow we, um, you know, built a really strong friendship underneath all that. This is a breakup that went spectacularly well, even with the curtain divider and the closet bed and a new girlfriend. And unless housing prices go down, a lot of Californians might have to learn how to make room for the ex, the dog, and the cat. For The California Report, I'm Bianca Taylor. Hi, my name is Jessica Morales. I'm calling from Bankers Hill in San Diego area. The song that got me through a breakup is Dejenme Llorar by Carla Morrison. It's just about letting everything out to get over a breakup, and that's what really helped me. Hi, California Report. My name is David. I'm calling from Sausalito. My song is from the band Squeeze, and it's Black Coffee in Bed. There's a stain on my notebook where your coffee cup was. It captures all the feelings of uh, kind of a hard breakup, um, but it also has these lyrics of encouragement to move on with your life, which uh, I subsequently did. Why are some of us so painfully sensitive to rejection? Well, it turns out we can't help it. It's science. Lisa Cantrell is a psychologist and a professor at Sacramento State. She's also one of those people who cries into her pillow for months after a bad breakup. She did some digging to find out why. So a few months ago, I did one of those at-home genetic tests. You know, the ones where you spit into a clear plastic tube, ship it off to a lab, 
I did it because I'd heard about a genetic variation that can make people more sensitive to rejection. And I was so convinced I had it. I've always been a bit sensitive. I remember this one moment in fourth grade. Miss Brown asked a question in class that I knew the answer to. She made eye contact with me, but then called on someone else. I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes. I asked to be excused, ran to the bathroom, and cried into my shirt. As I got older, this got worse. And it affected my relationships. One time in grad school, I sent my boyfriend at the time a text. He didn't respond. My chest tightened. What had I done wrong? Sure, everyone feels a little hurt by rejection, but I would seemingly become debilitated each time. And last year... After a particularly rough breakup, not sleeping, staying up all night, crying, I started to wonder if something was wrong with me. I began looking up research on the biology of feeling rejected. I came across something called the OPRM1 gene. We all have this gene, but for approximately one in five people, this gene has a tiny variation that can affect how their brains respond to pain. The tiny variation is called a G allele. And I called up Dr. John Subieta, a researcher at the University of Utah, who studied this gene and the G allele. What it seems to do is it seems to lower the capacity to produce opioid receptors. So you have less of them. Opioid receptors, Dr. Subieta tells me, help us counteract pain. When endorphins rush into the brain, they attach to those opioid receptors and stop the pain signal. This is actually what happens during the runner's high, and endorphins also rush in when people experience emotional pain. So basically what I learned from Dr. Subieta is that people with this G allele, also known as G carriers, they seem to have fewer of these receptors, so they're not as able to deal with pain, whether it's a torn ligament or social rejection. Is this what has been happening to me my whole life? Several weeks after shipping off my saliva, an email popped up in my inbox. My results had come in. I sat staring at the message, unopened. If I were a G carrier, it would mean that there was a biological explanation for my feelings. I hadn't been overreacting all these years. I was experiencing more pain than others. With my hands shaking slightly, I opened the file and scrolled through lines of my genetic code to find the OPRM1 gene. There, typed in small font, a G. So what do I do now? Am I a prisoner to my genetics? Dr. Subieta tells me that we can modify our brains. When we do physically demanding activities, we can actually push our brains to create more receptors to help us cope with pain. I could go do martial arts and be very well-trained, and my system might, might work a little more on the ready. Yeah, for example, you could do that. You could yoga, you know, it's equally good for these things, a good physical exercise. You can run marathons. I mean, you know, it's whatever you feel, it may work for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the marathons. but <laughs> Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> Last year, I did start training for a half marathon. So... I actually took Dr. Subieta's advice. It's hard to say whether the running is helping to tame my emotions. I did go through another breakup last fall, someone I'd been dating for a couple of months. I definitely felt the familiar pang of rejection when they wanted to end things. But this time, something was different. I didn't cry and fall apart. I just nodded 
said I understood, got in my car and drove away. Maybe it's all the workouts. Or maybe just knowing that I'm a G carrier, that I may experience more intense pain than others, is what I've needed all along to change how I deal with rejection. That was Lisa Cantrell. She has a podcast. It's called An Inexact Science. Hi, my name is Denise Alec from San Francisco. When my husband of 19 years left me, I was quite devastated until I discovered a song called Mexican Wrestler by Jill Sobule. chorus is quite sad. It says, you will never love me in various forms. Um, She just keeps saying that again and again, and I listened to it for like three days straight, and I got that in my head, and it kind of got me over him. But it also has other great things, which kind of appealed to my sense of, to to how angry I was. And I might grab you slam you and maybe cause physical harm well it's been like 14 years we never got together again I thank her so much for helping me along and I never did grab him or body slam him except for in my imagination okay thank you so much James Williamson my song is Bad Man by the Oblivion Chorus, I'm a bad man, I'm a bad man, but I'm too good for you. Just sums everything up for me. Close your eyes and think about the very first time you kissed somebody special. Even little details may stand out, like the weather or what you were wearing. Now try to remember your very last kiss with somebody. It's probably a lot harder. It's the end of a relationship. The California Report's Chloe Veltman has been asking Californians to share their last kiss stories from the tragic to the bittersweet. The four individuals you're about to meet bravely bared their souls. I wanted to know what it was about their last kiss experiences that stayed with them and what connected these stories at heart. Let's start with Erin. She's a writer based in San Diego and Tijuana who found herself caught up in a supernova romance with her teacher while on a summer program. I would sit in this man's class every day, Monday through Friday, and listen to him teach and watch him. And he was just captivating. 
A lot of the stories we're about to hear are sensitive. At Erin's request, we're keeping things like names and places deliberately vague. I just don't want to destroy his entire life. Because the man in question has a partner and a young daughter. Erin herself is a parent and was getting over a long relationship. But I wasn't looking to date anyone. I, I, he wasn't looking to cheat. But their mutual attraction overcame their scruples. They started seeing each other in secret. It was dangerous. I mean, this was in a program that was small. It was pretty close-knit. You know, the way he would look at me, it, it seemed very obvious. He was reckless. I'm more careful. Only 10 days elapsed between Erin and her teacher's first kiss and their last. It happened the night of the programme's final banquet. Erin remembers him complimenting her on her red dress. Afterwards, they got in her car. When he leaned over to kiss me, it felt like a goodbye kiss. It was sad, but it was also distracted. And I just looked at him. There was nothing else to do. The next day, Erin didn't show up at class for her exit interview. Sometimes knowing the last kiss is coming doesn't at all prepare you for what happens in the moment. That's Karen's story. She grew up in San Jose and one of her best friends was Lauren. Karen looked up to her. I would always pick my favourite colours based on whatever her favourite colour was. She did purple for a while. I had to do purple. I think we finally split over orange. Not a fan of orange. They stayed friends into adulthood. Some years ago, Lauren was diagnosed with a brain tumour. It was inoperable. On a bright October day, Karen visited Lauren for the last time. She was in bed in a pair of sweatpants and a top, and her hands were by her side, and her eyes were closed, and she was not moving or speaking, and just sort of apparently unconscious. Karen pulled up a chair next to Lauren's bed. I said, I'm going to take your hand, and I'm going to brush your hair out of your eyes. I'm going to kiss you now. And I leaned in to kiss her, and she puckered her lips. Karen was startled by her friend's sudden response. Lauren hadn't moved at all the whole time she'd been there. I have to say, it looked like it took effort to pucker her lips. Like, she really wanted to make it clear that she was listening to me, that she had heard what I said, that she was there with me, that she was there. Our next story is about a first kiss that turned out to be a last. Kelly met this guy in a San Francisco record store and they went out on a date. We go out for oysters. They were having a fun, casual time. Then, at the end of the evening, he lunged at her. It felt like it was coming from every direction. It was like an omni-kiss where there's tongue and hands and this and that. Then Kelly went out of town for the Thanksgiving holiday and fell ill on the way home. And when I got off the plane, I was in full-blown sick mode. But of course, this guy still wanted to see me. Kelly says it was a strange reunion because they couldn't kiss. I can't kiss this guy because, one, I can't breathe. Also, the, my nose was leaking um, to an extreme amount. She couldn't wait to get her health back so she could kiss him again. When she was feeling well enough, they spoke on the phone. 
I said, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see you. When do I see you next? He said, yeah, about that. Uh, I think I'd like to take a step back. And my first response was, oh no, I just beat my cold. <laughs> like, we, we can, what are you talking about? I'm healthy again. Just when I was well enough to kiss again, no more kisses would be had. I've got one more for you. This one's from Tom, a fellow Brit who lives in San Francisco. I've been a gay man my whole adult life, but my last kiss story is that I remember the last time I kissed a girl. Tom and his friend Sarah were spending New Year's Eve together. It was a typical New Year's Eve for teenagers growing up in the 1980s in Ipswich, a town northeast of London. Lots of alcohol. Then kind of throw empty bottles at the police. Tom says Sarah knew he was gay. So what happened when the clock struck midnight and 1987 turned into 1988 took them both by surprise. And then suddenly we were snogging and had this like really passionate kiss, which we both kind of blinked and finished. Tom looks back with fondness at his last wild hetero moment. I think we probably had strong feelings for each other. And so maybe it was just sort of sealing a friendship or something in a crazy teenage hormonal way. Tom isn't the only person I spoke with who looks back at their last kiss with positive feelings. Here's Erin, who had the secret affair with her teacher. I feel grateful for the experience. And Karen, talking about her friend Lauren, who puckered her lips for a last kiss through all the pain. Anybody who had the opportunity for a kiss like that would want to take it. Even Kelly, who shared oysters and a passionate kiss and then got sick and dumped, has no regrets. She sent the guy an envelope stuffed with glitter. For The California Report, I'm Chloe Veltman. Hi, my name is Adam Harb. I'm 22 and I'm from San Francisco. Uh, The song I wanted to discuss with you guys is by a band called Wild Child. The song is Silly Things, There's a lot I love about this song and why I feel like I connected to it above a lot of others while going through a difficult breakup. There's two things. The first is that there's this repeated image in the song's lyrics of a coffee pot. And I connect to the idea that items that seemed so trivial at the time can associate themselves so strongly with the image of a person way down the line. Uh, The second thing is that it's a collaboration. It's both parties in the relationship reminiscing with a lot of pain and bittersweetness about the relationship. And because of the two voices, I feel that the song really deals with the relationship not only between someone and their ex, but between someone and the mental image they constructed of their ex. Like human beings, they really aren't what they seem. My name is Marta, and my breakup song is by Graham Parker, The First Day of Spring. Sky might be massive up above, but it is not as blue as love. The first time it got me through a breakup, I was ending my first big relationship of my adult life. Second time the song got me through a breakup, I was just beginning the divorce from my husband. 
The song always reminds me of the beauty of the world and the things that are bigger than we are. Tomorrow is bound to bring the first day of spring. The first day of spring. My name is Victoria and I'm from San Diego. And the song that got me through my breakup is Changes by David Bowie. I think it's such an inspirational song because it talks about how even though you're stuck in a rut at that moment and everything feels horrible, you will turn and face the strange changes and you will end up being okay. And that's just a hint of all the songs listeners sent in for our California Breakup Playlist. We've put it on Spotify right next to the others, the Sobbing Breakup Playlist, the Country Breakup Playlist, and the one for getting over lying cheaters. And that's the California Report magazine. We're a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our engineer this week is Katie McMurrin with additional engineering from Seal Muller. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon, and our director is Susie Racho. The California Report's editorial team also includes David Marks, Asal Asanapur, Miranda Lightsinger, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Sasha Koka. Now go have a good cry into your pillow. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. College Futures Foundation, more graduates for a thriving California. Learn more at collegefutures.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.